You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Mitch Trubisky era in Chicago is officially over. And it feels like we're just scratching the surface of what Nick Foles can do in Matt Nagy's offense. Welcome into the Locked On Bears podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I cover the Chicago Bears for Bears Wire. I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. I'm here to bring you your daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. This Victory Monday podcast is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you in your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. We've got a lot to get through on today's podcast, including the big decision to bench Mitch Trubisky and what was Matt Nagy's last straw in making the swap, as well as what the future is going to look like with Nick Foles under center and the difference it has in this offense. We'll wrap up with a look at this Bears defense and how they came together at the end and how much we can trust them moving forward. I don't think any team in the NFL has had a more wild three weeks to start the season than this Chicago Bears team. And I think this Falcons game took the cake, even from that miraculous fourth-quarter comeback drive in Week 1. I mean, this had its own comeback, and then you sprinkle in the big quarterback change and everything else that happened in this game with some weird, wild, wacky plays, some controversial calls. I mean, this game had everything. Even the Bears, I think, felt a little weird after the win, just given all the emotions that went into changing quarterbacks. But Matt Nagy felt pretty firmly that it was time even to the point where they had started the discussions at halftime, and then ultimately it was one play that really cemented it in for the head coach. I think really when, when, when I knew it was, uh, was the interception there on third down. We were struggling on third down a lot. We weren't producing points in the red zone. And it, you know, I just think that sometimes there's a gut feeling as to when to do it. And that, that just that seemed like the right time. And um, it's, never, it's never fun. You know, we... You guys understand these relationships that we build with these these guys, these players. There's 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 strong relationships, and it's not easy, but it, it's um, you know, there's there's personal relationships and past relationships, and that that's just where we're at at that time. The interception was, of course, Trubisky's last play before Nick Foles ended up coming in, and I thought the INT really encapsulated the frustration with Trubisky that I think finally was the last straw for Matt Nagy in terms of how a quarterback should be reading a field and being able to play the position in his fourth year as a first-round pick, as a quarterback that the team has invested so much in supporting and coaching and developing, and still feeling like at this point, after some struggles in two victories before and struggles in the first half, that it was like this was it. This was that final straw of like, okay, I've seen enough. 
this isn't a new Mitch. It was a Mitch that did some incredible things, but it's still the same quarterback, and the Bears felt like they needed to make a change. And I, I want to focus in on this interception in particular, and I want to start actually with Mitchell Trubisky's description of what he saw on the play. Big kudos to Trubisky for coming out and facing the media after being benched, taking questions. It would have been very easy for him and honestly understandable for him to just say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to talk to him. I'm just going to go take my benching and you know just deal with it and not have to face the music on any of that. But he did. And he was honest and open, and I, I really respect that from Mitch. I have a ton of respect for Trubisky, the person. But here, here's how he describes what he saw on that interception. Uh, I was just working through my progression. Uh, I didn't see the defender in front of Jimmy, and we, we just weren't on the same page. Uh, I was trying to, trying to give him the ball, going out the backside, and uh, I didn't see that defender in front of him. So uh, I just got to see him in front of the throws and make better decisions. And um, obviously got to play better to – to, to keep my job. So if it all falls back on me for, for not playing better in the second in the first half. And uh, when you have crappy plays like that, then uh, you, you, you put, you put it out of your hands and it was tough. I do feel bad for Mitch Trubisky, like the person as a human being, because he's a nice guy, a good guy, a genuinely, you know, easy to like person, but from an on field quarterback perspective, you can't make that mistake at this stage in your career. That interception, the Falcons' defense wasn't doing anything particularly tricky. You know, like at pre-snap, they have a few different guys lined up at the line of scrimmage, but they never disguised their coverage. They showed two deep safeties before the snap. They played cover two, you know, two deep, five underneath zone defense. The middle linebacker kind of carries the slot receiver deep, which may have thrown Trubisky off a little bit, but that's a standard adjustment to a cover two zone defense. And when he throws that crossing route to Jimmy Graham, he has no idea, didn't see the defender there, and it should have expected the defender to be there. You should be able to, as a starting NFL-caliber quarterback, as you're dropping back into pass, your first read is the two safeties. Is it two deep or is it one deep? And then based off of that, is it two deep man or is it two deep zone? If it's going to be a two deep zone, you know it's either going to be cover two or cover four, and then all you have to do is look at the outside cornerbacks to see, okay, where's the cover two, where's the cover four? And so if, as you're coming across to your progression to get to your number three or four read wherever Jimmy Graham was supposed to be on that play, he's got to know that there's underneath zone coverage defenders there. It's cover two. You you have to be able to read a coverage and understand what the defense is doing to you. It's, it is year four as a starting quarterback. You can make those mistakes early on, but after how many off-seasons of trying to become a master of coverages, I mean, this is why you don't see... Matt Nagy fully opened up the playbook to all those types of reads for Trubisky. It's a lot of, you know, curl flat, slant fat, flat, one read things where you just say, okay, man or zone, you look at one defender, and if he goes here, you throw there, or if he goes left, you throw right. And you can't, because you can't open up your full offense because your quarterback can't fully read these coverages. And I think that interception really was like all crammed into one play Matt Nagy's frustration and my frustration with Trubisky's inability to read defenses at an NFL level, that's why he was benched. And that's why we saw a noticeable difference with Nick Foles in the game and why I think we're going to see a noticeable difference moving forward. We'll discuss how the new quarterback changes the Bears offense next on Locked On Bears. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. 
Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo of products that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. Their CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or a shareable squeeze tube. They also have CBD Recover, which combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONNFL, for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. I have a feeling we're going to start hearing backlash moving forward for Matt Nagy when the Bears offense changes a little bit with Nick Foles under center. That, oh, well, why wasn't Matt Nagy calling this or that for Mitch Trubisky when it's clearly working for Nick Foles? And I think that's largely going to be missing the point of how to call offense and what your quarterbacks are capable of doing. Because even against the Falcons in the second half there, it wasn't as though Matt Nagy drastically switched up the offense for fools. I mean, even early on there, it was a lot of screens, even actually more screens than we were seeing for Trubisky, which was a complaint for Matt Nagy. Like last year, it was like, well, too many screens and too many this and that. And Matt Nagy came right back to it with Nick Foles. So you can't give Nagy credit there when Nagy got blamed for it in the past. And it was a lot of little checkdowns from Foles really getting rolling there again. Uh, pretty much the same that we saw from Mitch Trubisky. Some of the big plays from Foles were curl routes. It was a big, the big touchdown by Allen Robinson was like a, I don't remember how many yards, 10 or 12 yard curl. And then Robinson did a nice turnaround, made a couple guys miss and just ran into the end zone for like a bunch of yards after the catch. It was one of the most explosive passing plays. And it wasn't really an explosive throw from Nick Foles. In that, in that case, it was just Allen Robinson making a play. And you know the wide receivers kind of, holding up their end of the bargain in that regard. Even like the big throws to Anthony Miller in the end zone, one of which was dropped, one of which was then later caught for the final game-winning touchdown there. I mean, it wasn't as though it was a super complicated read or play call from Matt Nagy. I mean, in both cases, Anthony Miller's working in the slot. He just kind of puts a double move on a guy at the stem of his route, breaks off over the middle of the field, and Nick Foles just puts it to a spot. And... That's an NFL throw that you have to be able to make, but it's not like a decision-making process that Mitch Trubisky was incapable of hitting. It was just Foles is a better quarterback, a more consistent, accurate passer. Not even a big downfield deep shot guy, but just a guy who can hit some of those intermediate throws, do enough to kind of keep your offense rolling, especially if you can get your running game rolling and your defense can generate some turnovers and kind of hold up its end of the bargain. That's sort of the winning formula with Nick Foles in the game. And I think you just start to see not only that consistency, but the smart quarterbacking, the 
intelligent, thought-out processing where you kind of see Nick Foles is reading the defense as he's going. You see him, you see where he's looking and kind of see what's going through his head. It's very deliberate and intentional, especially when he's like coming down a check down or reading a little area of the field. You can see what he's looking for. He's waiting for a defender to move here and for there to be space, and then, ah, it's not going to happen. The pass rush is closing, and i got to throw it here. Like, you can kind of see the difference in his thinking and processing on the field. But I think you'll especially notice it with Matt Nagy's trust in Nick Foles to be able to go through a full progression and read coverages the way Trubisky was unable to. And I think that final play with Anthony Miller on the touchdown there was a really good example here of just how effective Foles' experience can be in this situation. And I thought his description after the game really kind of encapsulated it well. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, we sort of had two plays on, and uh, we didn't know if they were dummying their look. They had sort of got me earlier in the game and swiped back to two high safeties when they were, looked like they were bringing everyone. So we were able to configure a pretty cool little two-play play, and you know they showed a, what we call a zero blitz, and we were able to check it and get the ball snapped quickly. And you know, line did their job to give me just enough time to throw it, and eight mil was right where he needed to be to catch it, and he made a great play. So that's a that's a fun way to win a game when they bring one more than you can handle, and we execute it. When we were in the huddle, I had explained to. Anthony, that if I do happen to kill it, I'm going to throw it to the L. So get to the L on the L, and it'll be like a pretty stiff ball. So I just knew just in case that I didn't have time to get it off cleanly that uh, he would be there. So we had that conversation, and he did his job. That's a veteran starting quarterback right there, plain and simple. Throwing, you know, going to your receiver before the big play of the game and saying, listen, man, if stuff breaks down, I'm going to put it here go get it. You know, you trust the receiver to go get it even after he dropped a touchdown pass earlier in the game. He perfectly anticipated what was coming from the Falcons again after having kind of been fooled by it earlier. He could kind of tell I mean it's it's that level of football intelligence and IQ that just separates Foles from Trubisky. And it's why so many of us thought Foles would start week 1 and win the quarterback competition. As it turned out, Foles maybe wasn't quite as ready without an offseason, as the Bears and Matt Nagy anticipated. But we've been saying all along, right here on Lockdown Bears, that you know, it'd probably take him a couple weeks extra to get up to speed. You know, Two, three, four weeks into the season is when Foles would be really ready to go. And it was you know, even a little rust had to be knocked off in the third quarter and beginning of the fourth here against the Falcons. But by the time he was really clicking and dialing and he was delivering some throws, man, that we just haven't seen Trubisky make consistently through his NFL career. Does that mean Nick Foles is going to be a 4,000-yard dynamic elite MVP quarterback for the rest of the season? Probably not, but I think it's very clear, even in this small sample size, that what we thought all along was true. Nick Foles gives the Bears a better chance to win football games consistently than Mitch Trubisky. I think it's a little silly when Matt Nagy says, oh, well, we haven't decided yet or we're not going to decide yet which quarterback will start against the Indianapolis Colts. Because I just don't think from a confidence standpoint, you can bench Trubisky in the third quarter of this game, have Foles come in and pull off the comeback, and then go back to Mitch Trubisky next week and say, yeah, we're going back with Mitch. I mean, I just think once you pull the plug on Trubisky, and and this is something we talked about all along, I think even if Foles hadn't won the game, once you put Trubisky on the bench and say you're not playing because of your quality of performance, I think that's pretty much it 
for Trubisky in Chicago. I think the only way he throws another pass this season for the Bears is if Nick Foles gets hurt or if something else happens at the quarterback spot where he is forced to go in. But I would be really surprised to see the Bears try and do this back and forth because if they get to the point where Nick Foles is playing so bad that they have to put Trubisky back in, I think at that point you're talking about a season that's pretty much over. I think the big key to sustaining success with Foles under center is going to be making sure this Bears defense gets where it needs to be and plays at a high level consistently. I know there was a lot of frustration with how this defense played, and a lot of mistakes were made along the way, but I think we're seeing some similar trends through the first three weeks that feel correctable. We'll diagnose this Bears defense and what we can expect moving forward next on Locked on Bears. If you still haven't tried the new and improved Built Bar, I don't know what you're waiting for. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. And somehow, when they did their relaunch after we sold them out the first time, they slightly tweaked their product a little bit and somehow made it even better. And I didn't know it could get better, but somehow it tastes even more like a candy bar. Like, the cookies and cream flavor, so good. Cannot recommend it enough. But it tastes like... A long, thin marshmallow dipped in chocolate. Legitimately tastes exactly. You could put them side by side. A a dipped marshmallow in chocolate and a Built Bar. If you made them the right shape and size, and I would not be able to tell you the difference. But in the Built Bar, you've got 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 130 calories. Like, you cannot beat that anywhere else on top of how delicious it tastes. So try it for yourself. I promise you will not regret it. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It felt like this Bears defense was pretty bad against the Falcons, and by all means, they weren't good. I mean, there were there were a lot of mistakes. They did allow 26 points. It was rough for a lot of portions of that game. But they did buckle down. Perhaps the Falcons took the foot off the gas a little bit down the stretch. But ultimately, this Bears team held firm in that fourth quarter, didn't allow any points then, and, uh, you know, set it up for, for Nick Foles to pull off the comeback victory when it was all said and done. But I do think... There's more nuance to this performance than just, oh, the Bears' defense was bad, right? I mean, you look, Matt Ryan finished 19 of 38 for 238 yards, one touchdown, one interception, for a passer rating of 67.7. Like, Mitch Trubisky had a higher passer rating in this game than Matt Ryan, and Trubisky was benched, you know? I mean, like, it's—so there's there's something to be said there. Calvin Ridley had five catches for 110 yards, and with Julio Jones out, no one else in the— in the Falcons offense was really able as far as Falcons receivers were able to do all that much. The big weakness for this Bears defense again was an inability to stop the run. Todd Gurley ran what 14 carries for 80 yards for a guy that's had some knee issues and other things uh, in recent years. It was a nice kind of bounce back for him and then Brian Hill who you might not have heard of before this game had nine carries for 58 yards. I mean, the team averaged 5.8 yards per carry. The Bears could not stop the run and a lot of it was Really poor play from Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan, as well as some pretty bad angles from both Eddie Jackson and Tashawn Gibson at safety. I didn't think the Bears' defensive line played all that poorly. 
And, you know, when you add in the outside linebackers, they were able to get some pretty good pressure on the quarterback. You know, some sacks, a couple of forced fumbles in there, some that counted, some that didn't. But I I think that sort of speaks to where this Bears defense is. It, It seemed like there were too many of those things that didn't count. You know, last week there was the Eddie Jackson pick six that didn't count. There were other plays in that one that didn't count. This week, it's the forced fumble that ultimately had a roughing the passer penalty on it that didn't count, and far too many penalties on this Bears defense as a whole to the point where it feels like a lot of the time the Bears defense is beating itself more than the other team is beating it. And I don't want to, I don't want to minimize some of the very real mistakes that the Bears made. I mean, too many missed tackles. I think from from the running game standpoint, that's an issue that the Bears need to fix. Their inside linebacker play is far too poor right now to be able to stop the run consistently like this. But I do think if say that forced fumble sack counts and the Bears get a turnover there and a couple of the things go the other way in terms of penalties and other plays that end up being taken away from the Bears, I think it's a very different discussion about the quality of this Bears defense from a big picture standpoint. Like, if you take that fumble and end up taking away a Falcons touchdown or so in terms of the scoreboard, the, you know, the Falcons still would have had all that, those great rushing yards, and it would still be a very big concern that the Bears' defense needs to be able to stop the run better. But I don't think we would be talking about this as a can-we-trust-the-Bears-defense-anymore type performance because, I mean, this is a, an Atlanta Falcons offense that scores a lot of points. Like, this was kind of what we were expecting there. This was a potential shootout type of game because the Falcons were even able to put pretty big points on the Cowboys and the Seahawks over the last couple of weeks, two teams that are pretty high-quality teams right now in the NFL, both of them looking like potential playoff teams. So as bad as the Falcons are at collapsing in the fourth quarter, they are a good offense, and that that has been something that we knew about them coming in. So I don't get overly concerned about 26 points allowed in ultimately a comeback victory against a pretty good offense because, again, things need to be improved, but it wasn't a complete failure. And most importantly, they really kind of buckled up, buckled down, came together, and held strong at the end there. They were able to pass rush pretty effectively, get after the quarterback. I think the safety play would normally be better in a normal week-to-week. I think this was kind of an off game for both Gibson and Jackson, especially in run defense more than coverage. And I think the inside linebacker position remains one of these like unanswered, like it should be better, and we're not sure why Roquan Smith is struggling so much and why... Danny Trevathan continues to look old and kind of be this washed-up linebacker right now, that there's there's some hope for those guys to get better, for the Bears to find alternatives to improve that position. So I, I don't think this is a, a major concern, but it is something to keep an eye on as we kind of watch out for Nick Foles and the offense and that symbiotic relation between the two of them moving forward. Because I think on the other side of the spectrum here, then the positive side... We saw Akeem Hicks have one of his best games, probably his best game of the season and the best we've seen from him in a little while. With, I believe he was credited with a sack and a half, but there were a lot of times he was a step away and, and delivered a nice little hit on Matt Ryan. We saw Khalil Mack and Ro- Ro- uh, Robert Quinn continue to kind of do their thing and get some pressure on the quarterback. I think we're seeing Robert Quinn get closer and closer to what 100% is going to look like from him, so there's room for improvement there. We're seeing positive development in that regard. We continue to see positive things from Jalen Johnson and Kyle Fuller. Some mistakes mixed in there, and, and a really tough matchup with Calvin Ridley in this one. But otherwise, th- there's still 
talent on this Bears defense. There's, it's still a formidable defense. They just have to clean some things up, stop shooting themselves in the foot, and figure out some sort of solution at inside linebacker. But there's a whole lot of season left and a lot more Bears football for us to break down five days a week right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. We didn't even get time to touch on Tariq Cohen's injury and some of the other big takeaways from this game. And then soon after, we'll get the All-22 film we can break down. And before you know it, we'll be previewing the Indianapolis matchup with Evan Sidery from Locked On Colts, and we'll do it all over again. So enjoy Victory Monday, and don't forget to bear down.